morning. Well, last year, when we were planning for September of this year, we had something a little different in mind. We had a campaign that we were going to initiate through the month of September called Jesus First Jackson. And it was a play on an idea where we were talking about what to call our church. And as ideas circulated, one of the things we could call us is uh, Jackson First. That's, that created a message that just not that it was a big deal, because I know there's a cape first. And I make fun of them for this. But the, no, I'm kidding. The, uh, but when we say Jackson first, it gives the implication that we're saying the first thing that's important in our lives is Jackson. And so we didn't want to say, or that us, that we didn't want to say we were first. And so it was really, in having that conversation, it was like, well, Jesus should be first. And so that sparked an idea for a, a campaign to say, let's, let's, we're going to call ourselves First Jackson, but we'll have a campaign that's called Jesus First Jackson. So it's kind of a play on words there. But the idea was is to take a month to go out into our community and to tell people that really it is Jesus is our first priority and to show that through a lot of service evangelism projects. And so we had talked about uh, the idea of something called Operation Inasmuch, something that people are, some of the people are interested in. I, I think we'll have some, uh, I think we'll be able to do that even next year. Um, Operation Inasmuch is a, is a campaign to do a bunch of ministry projects throughout our community that day just to kind of go out all, everywhere, either in one day or one week, and just as, as whatever it takes, just to send out as many groups as possible to just serve people in Jesus' name and sharing the gospel with them. And we shared the illustration of, like if we were doing a, a single mom's or widow's oil change, while they're getting their oil change, somebody's there sharing the gospel with them while we're doing that. And, and a lot of other projects happening at that time too. So that was one thing. And then also, uh, Back to Church Sunday is during the month of September. So we would be highlighting that. And that was that's still going to be happening this year. September 20th is Back to Church Sunday. We try to get everybody to come back to church. Uh, it's a pretty novel idea. Where we really make a canvas for all the people we know who are connected to our church who just aren't gathering together with us. So we make a huge push for that. And then also... Uh, a ministry fair in which we have an opportunity for people to see all the different ministries that we are uh, involved in for the coming year and then inviting them to participate. So getting people signed up to do different ministry projects and so forth throughout the year. All those things were what we were planning to do this month. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you've forgotten. Back in March, they said that there was a virus that was uh, going throughout our area and community and they... Uh, asked us not to meet and so uh, the middle of March we stopped meeting for a period of time and um, I think it was Mother's Day that we actually came back together for the first time so losing that two months and really it was much more than that that we lost uh, Ed, and not just us obviously everybody in every capacity just kind of stunned us but here's what it made me realize and I hope it helps you to realize it's not that it gives us an excuse that we can't go on and continue to do what we do as a church and do the ministry that God's called us to do. It did give us another thing that we need to think of. When we plan events, when we plan to do things, we think, well, what happens, what happens if it rains? You know, that's, I don't know if you uh, are aware it does rain. 
uh, from time to time. And when it rains, whatever floods, you know, or what if it, what if this happens, or whatever, we would account for the flu. We would account for uh, what happens in snowy weather, what happens in any type of inclement weather, or some type of issue or problem. There are all types of things that we plan for or think of when we are trying to do the things that God's called us to do, and we try to plan contingencies. This is just one of those things we didn't have a contingency for. We hadn't thought of this. But now we do. Now we think of it all the time. And now we we think in terms of how would we do this and how would we handle it. So it's not that we say, okay, we're not going to do these things. So we had to back up and go, okay, now we have to rethink this and say if our world is like this and these things are important and we, we still are socially distanced and all these things, how do we accomplish these objectives? Because these are all things still worth doing. It, did, it just pushes it off till next year uh, when we'll look at this all over again. But I did want to take this month to go through what the Jesus First campaign is because we have messages planned emphasizing our need to be people who put Jesus first in our lives and in the things that we do. Uh, something that uh, is very important, if you are not, have never gone through our basics class, if you're a member or not a member, it doesn't matter. We, it was a 12-week deal. We, there were three months of period of time. We took one hour a week during Sunday school, during this time slot right now. Uh, I would meet with a group. And, uh, and so because we're doing two services, not able to do it that way. But what we've done is we've put it in one weekend. And that's this, that weekend is this weekend, this coming weekend, this coming Friday, from 5.30 to 8.30 on Friday night and from 9 to 3 p.m. on Saturday. Now, it may seem like a lot, but when you consider it was 12 weeks before and now you can do it in two days, uh, that is something that we ask of everybody who wants to become part of our church. And if you've been a part of the church and you've ever been through it, there'd be a great opportunity to go through it just to kind of see. Uh, for one, it helps you to meet some of the people who are prospective members wanting to come into the church. It also helps you to uh, hear the things that we're looking at moving forward. So we're all on the same page. Uh, so we, I like to have a, a mixture of people. We'll provide lunch on Saturday if that's what it really, if that's what it takes. If food is what it takes, we'll have food. Uh, and, uh, but Friday, this Friday, 5.30 to 8.30, 9 to 3 on Saturday. So that's coming up. Make plans for that. If you can't make it and you still want to be part of the church, I'm not saying this is how desperate we are to get people to join the church because I don't want it to sound like that. This is how just accommodating we are. Let me know. And we have online options. And we have Zoom options. And we have uh, individual tutoring options. I'm the one who teaches the class. So if you want to meet with me at another time and just go through it, uh, I'll get you the material. We'll go through it together. But it's better if we can do it as a group because then we get to interact with one another. So, But let me know. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? That is the question that you and I have to answer before we can really be effective at ministering to our community and also before we can put Jesus first. Before you can put Jesus first, before you can do what Jesus wants you to do, before He becomes the thing in your life that you're most excited about, most excited about serving, you have to stop for a moment and say, well, what am I worried about? What am I concerned about? What are the things that are bearing in on me? When I first started training in biblical counseling, 
our teacher gave us an example of a woman that he had had in counseling. And her son was going to be graduating in California. And she wanted to go watch him graduate. But she couldn't get on a plane. She was terrified to fly. Terrified to fly. And so she had just written it off. And some friends of hers in church had encouraged her. They said, no, don't, don't just write it off. Why don't you seek out some help? There's these people who do biblical counseling and go see them and maybe they can help you. And so just with a few short discussions, it, was, it came to light that, it, that, you know, when you have a fear of anything other than God, that that's sinful. Because you're commanded, you and I are commanded not to fear. We're commanded not to fear. So to fear is sinful behavior. And so it just took a moment to point out this is not a plain problem. This is a sin problem. A sin problem. Anytime you have something in your life that because of fear or because of worry or whatever stress, anxiety that's created, it debilitates you from doing something you believe you should do then there's an issue. There's a problem. There's a sin issue. We don't like to think of it like that. We like to think that God doesn't care about things like that. But obviously, if you read the Bible, there are all kinds of things that God asks His people to do. He doesn't say, are you, are you afraid? If you're too afraid, Moses, you know, I'll let you off the hook. If you're, if you're too afraid, Daniel, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll go another direction. If you're too afraid, Abraham, I just... This doesn't happen. If they have fear, there are consequences because it's sinful. That's a sinful response to when God asks us to do something. And so she, the good news is she did work through it. She was able to go back and realize that it wasn't just the plane. It was a lot of things in her life she had allowed. The statement we make all the time, fear is the enemy of faith. And she had let fear creep into her life in a lot of places. And as she began to spend time in the Word and memorizing the Word, and focusing on God instead of herself. As she began to practice these things, she overcame that fear, she got on the plane, she flew out, she watched her son graduate. Happy ending. Sometimes, though, we allow our fears to cripple us from doing what it is God wants us to do. Things we desire to do. We, we actually want to do them, we just find ourselves not being able to do them. And because of that, we are robbed of the joy that we would experience if we just simply were faithful to do what God asked to do. We don't get to live that abundant life that God has called us to live. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And we're going to break it into pieces. So let's just pray as we begin to tackle this together and, and pray that God, that God would open our minds. For one, not to bash you, and, and we don't want the response is not to be Ah, you're right. I am afraid. I'm such a horrible human being. So no, it's 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 the okay. I recognize. I am afraid. I am worried. Now, how do I overcome this? How do I how do I overcome this? How am I victorious over this? Because I'm telling you, you can be. You can be victorious over it. I was uh, walking down the stairs with my granddaughter from the top. Now, if you've been in the back hall, back stairwell comes from all the way down from this four floors of educational building. And for a, how old is she, seven-year-old, six-year-old, going to be seven-year-old. For a six-year-old, it's a daunting task. And she said, she goes, this is 
so high and, and she looked up through the looked down through the stairwell and then up through the stairwell and she's like you know it's so high it's almost scary and I and she's asked me have I am I afraid of high places oh we were talking about the roof went up on the roof she saw the ladder going up the roof we didn't go up there but she said are you afraid to go up there and I said you know I used to be I used to be afraid of heights and uh, but through prayer and a lot of uh, scripture I overcame that. I overcame that because we can overcome fear. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you, God, for giving us the ability through your Holy Spirit to overcome fear. Father, thank you for faith. Thank you for faith that empowers us to be the people that you called us to be. Lord, show us in your word as you address us and speak to us, as you spoke to a crowd on a mountainside 2,000 years ago, Lord, Lord, as you communicated to them, may you communicate to us today that to not trust you is sin. Lord, it's, that, it's something that needs to be addressed in our lives. It's something we shouldn't just leave like that. But Lord, may we realize it, overcome it, and be the people that you've called us to be. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we want to highlight this morning is that we are not to worry about our life. Don't worry about your life. This is the first thing that Jesus is going to tell people on this hillside. Don't worry about your life. And we are life-worrying people. There's a... And one of the big things in our world today is we think a lot about ourselves. I mean, I don't know if you realize this. Maybe you aren't paying attention to yourself, but other people are paying attention to themselves. And, and it was the advent of the selfie. I didn't know what a selfie stick was uh, for a long time. And then I bought one because we were filming something and, and I couldn't have somebody carry the camera. I thought, boy, I wish they had something where I could hold the camera where I didn't have to hold it like this, but I could hold it out like that. And they go, oh, you mean a selfie stick? And I go, oh, is that a thing? Is that the thing that they... they and yes, they created a device so that people could get a very good picture of themselves because they don't have friends to take the pictures for them. And, uh, and so... Uh, and now those are now they're banned at certain parks and different places because they're such a nuisance and, and so forth. But a big reason is is because people are dying, taking a selfie of themselves. And I've seen I've seen they go out on a cliff. You know, it's like me standing here and wanting to get a picture of me, not looking at you, and standing here and trying to just get to the thing and boom, fall off. And when it's a 500 foot drop, it's a little more serious than just falling off the stage. Here's the irony of that. The irony is that they are so focused on themselves, they don't realize they're going to fall to their death. They are putting themselves in an extremely harmful situation while they are completely consumed with themselves. And it, it does kind of resonate with what Jesus says. If you love your life,
There. Wow. You had all that time to get in your Bible. I hope you were. For all you slow Bible page turners. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Now you thought I made it up, right? You thought, what's the preacher saying? Jesus said it. Just exactly. Just was quoting him. Word for word. And then he specifies what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Wow, that's a little jab at the end from Jesus. But here's, here's what he's saying. And, and this, just think about this for a second. I've, I've said this before. We'll just keep saying it till we all get it. When you get to heaven, when you and I are spending eternity, who's gonna where are you gonna get your food? Where are you gonna shop at for your groceries? And how are you gonna pay for those groceries? What are you gonna wear in heaven? Say you don't say you get there and they don't have the standard issued white robe. And you've got to come up with clothes. Not just for today, for eternity. Where are you going to get your shoes? Who's going to pay for those shoes? What's the unemployment rate in heaven? You know, when you ask people about that, they always give me the same answer. Oh, I, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not worried about heaven. God is going to take care of us. That's a very good answer, isn't it? God is going to take care of us in heaven. Well, which God is going to take care of you? Is there going to be a different God in heaven? Is there another God that you're going to meet when you get to heaven who's going to take care of you and provide for everything? Or is it the same God that we have today? And is the God that we have today not going to take care of you today because He's waiting till you get to heaven to take care of you? Jesus is pointing out something that should be incredibly obvious to us. The same God that's going to take care of you forever, that you seem not to have a problem with and not to worry about, is the same God that's taking care of you today. And if He can't take care of you today, then He can't take care of you for all eternity. But if He can take care of you for all eternity, He absolutely can take care of you today. And Jesus is assuring us of this. 
It's like, look around you. He takes care of everything. He provides for everything. I was going to make clothing references and say particular name brands, but I'm terrified that I'm going to date myself and there's going to be younger people going, where does he even shop? So just picture name brands in your head that are popular. God does not clothe the earth with those name brands. I will give you that. So maybe it's not a question of God. we're worried that God's going to take care of us. It's more that we're worried that He's not going to take care of us in a style that we are accustomed to. That He's not going to take care of us at a level that we have grown to appreciate. And that could be true. Now He might. But here is the gist of it. Focus on the lives of others instead of yourself. This is what Jesus is trying to free you up for. He said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about the lives of others, but focus on their lives. Isn't that the model that Jesus gives us? Isn't that what you think of when you think of Jesus? Somebody who's not really paying attention to his own needs, but paying attention to the needs of other people? Even when he asks somebody to do something for him, like, hey, would you give me a drink? We know he's really not wanting a drink for himself. He's simply engaging the person to do something for them. That's what our lives are need to be. But we have gotten to a place where we are focused on ourselves. We are concerned about how we look to others, to the world. And we are so concerned about it, we can't think of other people. We're crippled by it. We're so concerned about our life, our health, our welfare, we can't think of others. So don't worry about your life. Then he gets, talks about other things. He talks about things. Don't worry about your things. The stuff that we possess. When my son was little, my older son David, who's in service right now, so I know he's not watching a live stream, so I can talk about him. When he was little, though, and this is, this is not hidden knowledge, he had... Um, he had a couple of different things that he loved. He had a little lunchbox that he would carry on. He'd pack his stuff in it. And he had toys that he would keep in his lunchbox and a little bag that he would keep. But he had a shopping cart. I don't think the shop... If I look back, I don't think the shopping cart was his. It may have been his, but I don't think it was. I think it was one of his siblings, but he took it. And he took it. He was like a bag lady before he even knew what bag ladies were. He would put all his stuff, all his toys in the shopping cart and push it around the house. That's what he would do. He'd... He, just all his toys. And he'd push it around the house as though he were homeless. And, uh, and this is three years old. He's pushing his stuff all around the house. And so to tease him, we would dig down into his shopping cart when he would be at the bathroom or whatever and pull a toy out and hide it to see if he would miss it. And he would come back, la, 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 get his shopping cart, be pushing around, and then he'd stop. 
And look. He, he, he didn't talk. Ah, he just growled. And uh, and uh, and so it was like, it was like, how does he know that? How does he know that toy is gone? But he did. He had every. He put. And we watched him when he would load the cart because we'd make him dump it out from time to time, put everything up, and then he would load it and he would meticulously and he'd go through and pick and put it in the cart and he would meticulously pick out each of the things in his cart. Now that's cute for a three-year-old. It's funny. It's a funny story. It's not as endearing. For adults. But I know a lot of adults who are like that. I know I've been like this. Where we know where our stuff is. And we know who touches our stuff. And we'll say things don't matter to us. <laughs> we all say that. I love how we say that. Just go to somebody's house and ask them. Do things matter to you? And if they say no, not at all. Go, well then I'm going to start touching your stuff. And I'm going to touch it until I find something that matters to you. And you will almost always find something. Somebody, where they, you know, or they'll, or they're trying to prove a point, but you'll see beads of sweat break out or whatever as they're thinking, as you're getting close to that whatever, that piece of pottery or that picture or that whatever thing on the floor or whatever, whatever, the house itself, the car itself, whatever. I, and I love, it's the double parking car people. If you ever take up two spaces because you're afraid, your car's going to get keyed. I'm going to tell you, somebody's going to do something to you to, to, to take that away from you because you've, you've set it up. You've shown people this is very important. And more than that, you've told God. You've told God, this is so important to me. And I'm going to tell you, you're at war with God when things are important to you because He doesn't want things to be important to us. Because we're not going to keep these things. None of the things we have on this planet, we, get, we don't get to keep any of it. We give all of it up. When we, when we leave this place and go to the next, again, that eternal mindset. When I leave here, I'm going to leave it all. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's not a license for you to come to my house and mess up all the stuff I'm enjoying right now. I just need, we all need to have a healthy perspective that it is just stuff and we are going to leave it behind at some point. You don't just go burn all your stuff just for, to make a point, but when we make things such a priority, we become dysfunctional. And as followers of Christ, it's sinful. Look what he says in verse 31. So don't worry. What will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? Now, <laughs> we're not even close to what kind of cell phone will we use? We're, we're at eating, drinking, and clothes. So don't, don't think, well, he doesn't address cell phones. He doesn't address cars. He doesn't address how fancy our house is and all the toys we like to play with. He doesn't address those things. Well, of course he doesn't address those things. We're talking about, he's saying not even think about food or beverages or clothes. The idea is nothing. He says, for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the people who do not have faith in God the Creator, eagerly, eagerly seek all these things. The commercials that you watch and the advertisements that you read are geared for the world. 
And when we watch them and they affect us, it is appealing not to the Holy Spirit in us, it is appealing to the flesh in us. Understand that. That's, that's where advertising goes. I have been in marketing, and I know for a fact that marketers don't sit in a room going, how do we appeal to the spiritual nature of believers in Christ and give them what we know the Holy Spirit will want them to have? That does not enter conversation. If, it, if Christians enter the conversation at all, it's like, they won't say it this way, but they're thinking, how do we get Eve to eat that apple? <laughs> you know, it's not an apple. I know, don't text me on that. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. You need a phone. He'll get you a phone. You need a car. He'll get you a car. You need a house. He'll get you a house. You need a garage door opener. He'll get you a garage door opener. He knows what you need. But he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Here's how I want to sum up seek first the kingdom. Seek out God's interest in others. Seek out God's interest in others. This is what the kingdom of God is about. It's us discipling one another, helping them to become more like Jesus, and, and that's making sure they have heard the gospel. That's always God's interest in people. If they've not heard the gospel, He wants them to hear the gospel. So we share the gospel. If they respond to the gospel, then we maintain a relationship of discipleship in the church. And if they reject the gospel, we move on to somebody who receives the gospel. That's God's interest. You say, we just forget people who reject the gospel? No, you pray for those people, that their hearts will be turned, their hearts will be changed, and you continually go back and share the gospel with them. But you don't try to disciple people. You don't try to befriend people, to grow with people, who do not want Christ. We fellowship with people who do want to follow Christ. And we always are extending the gospel, always loving people who don't follow Christ, always extending the love of Christ to them, hoping to draw them into the fellowship. But we always maintain our fellowship with people in the church. But this And this is what our lives are to be up. We're seeking. So when I interact with you, it's like, what does God want to do with you? And that's what I'm interested in. But if I'm worried about my stuff, let me just give you a case in point. Easy, easy, easy example. I've been in churches where a family came to the church and that family came from a background of poverty. The children were not necessarily were not clean. But the church was. I mean, church was immaculate. Super clean pews. And you could see it on the people's faces. We do not want those dirty children sitting on our clean pews. Guess what? If we are seeking God's interest, He's not interested in clean pews. He's interested in dirty people. And so that's what we are to be interested in. And He'll take care of the rest. 
if they break stuff, He'll give us new stuff or different stuff. But when the stuff becomes more important than people, remember, God is not interested in stuff. He'll provide the stuff if we seek first His kingdom and His kingdom is comprised of people. So we are always to be interested in people. Now you might say, well, that church, what kind of church would do that with their pews? Well, I would say the same thing. I was indignant. How could a church be that way? And then I had a new car with new seats, clean seats. And I had a guy that needed a ride in my new car with clean seats. And he was not clean. And instantly, I feel that battle inside of, oh man. And challenged. That I, yes, I let him ride in the car. If you're already trying to jump ahead, yeah, I did. But I struggle with it. Because I've and exposed something in me, exposed that I was. I had not had a car like that before. I had not had a new car. And God was like, you know, and, and sometimes now, now I get a car, whatever age it is or whatever, and somebody dings me in the parking lot at Walmart. It's like, well, now it's broken. Now I don't worry about it as much. Now I won't double park it. Now it's like, well, we'll do whatever. Now kids can get in or whatever. We clean it up as best we can and we move on because that's what things are. We just, we're gonna, they're all going to be left behind. Seek out God's interest in others. And the last thing not to worry about is this. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry about your future. There's an asteroid coming. You might have heard this. It's going to hit the earth, if it hits the earth, less than 1% chance, but we're still, we like to get worried about stuff like that. Uh, less than 1% chance of it hitting the earth. It's small enough that it will cause no reaction whatsoever, but that will not keep us from thinking we're all going to die and entertaining that possibility. Because we just love to do that. We love to talk about what if an asteroid hit. We have movies about it. You can go back and watch the movies if you want. What happens if an asteroid hits the Earth the day before Election Day? I did find it interesting that in our current climate, that people, the majority of people were voting for the asteroid more so than the other two presidential candidates in hopes that the world would end. It kind of tells you something about our world. But there's always something about a solar flare, the New Madrid earthquake. I remember that growing up. I didn't know where New Madrid was in Kentucky growing up, and it was over here somewhere. And that earthquake is going to destroy St. Louis and then everything in its wake, and we were worried about it even over in Kentucky. Environmental collapse, obviously. Polarized caps are melting. Oceans are rising. We're all going to die. I don't, are we still worried about nuclear holocaust? Because that seems to have faded a little bit. Maybe I could just reignite that for you. We have enough bombs on the planet to blow up the planet several times. If we all launch those at one time, we're all going to die. I just want to throw that out there in case you're not worried about that today. But set that aside. What about my health? I'm, am I going to get a new cancer? Am I going to fall? Am I going to have another accident? Is something going to happen if I do this? What's going to happen? How's this going to result in this? Where's all this going to go wrong? Here's the question I want to ask you. Are you and I making decisions today based on the leadership of the Holy Spirit or of our fear of the future? Are you making decisions today based on the leadership of the Holy Spirit 
or the fear of the future. Look in this last verse. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's what Jesus is saying. Stay in the moment. Day by day. Here's what we're to do. We're to live this day. You know, if you ever try to figure out what eternity is going to be like, it's going to be like this. This now. It's just a now that never stops. The only reason we think this now will stop is because we've been told it's going to stop and we're afraid it's going to stop. We're afraid that there's going to come a moment. We've watched people stop breathing. We've watched hearts stop beating and we get this fear that that could happen to us tomorrow or someone we love tomorrow that they're going to be taken. But the truth of God's Word tells us that when these hearts stop and these lungs stop breathing and these brains stop working that God gives us another one in another place. That He raises us up, puts our spirit into a new body and then that one lives forever. We're just afraid of that transition. Some of us are afraid that's not true. Paul addresses that. He says, if that's not true, then Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're the most pitiable people on the planet. We are a sad lot. So there's no in-between here. Either Jesus did resurrect from the dead and He is alive today and therefore we are all going to resurrect and so we don't have to worry about tomorrow because we are living right now. And we will continue to be living always in the now. So don't worry about tomorrow. Live this day. Doesn't mean don't have health insurance. Doesn't mean don't take out medical insurance or don't plan for future things. Or what. Doesn't mean those things at all. It just means that that's just being a good steward of making sure that you got stuff stored up for the winter time. But if winter doesn't come here, it's going to come somewhere. It's going to be some. We're going to be somewhere doing something. But let me ask you this. What are your primary concerns right now? What do you what is you come in here worried about? I know you, because I'm like you. You're worried about something. Something's been on your mind this week. Something you've been thinking about. Could be your children, could be your parents, could be you, could be your relationships. Could be your job, could be the economy, could be the election. Seems to be a thing everybody wants to worry about. Just take a moment. Whatever it is. And just like that lady who was afraid to, fr- to afraid to fly, turn it over to Jesus. So Jesus, this is crazy. Why am I worried about this? Why am am I spending time stressing about this? Now, if it's your sin that's causing you to worry because you've done some things wrong and you're afraid of the consequences for that, I get that worry. I get it when I've done something my parents didn't want me to do and I know a beating is coming. And I was like, and I'd stress over that. My dad coming home. I remember when I failed algebra, I stressed over my dad coming home and destroying my life. I hid in my room, I don't think for days. Wouldn't come out when he was there. As soon as he'd go to work, I'd come out. When he'd go 
back uh, when he'd get home at night I'd stay up until he'd go to bed at night and then I'd come out of my hole I was like Saddam Hussein hiding in the wilderness I was afraid I get that you know how you overcome that you come to Jesus you repent you say I did something wrong I did it wrong I face it and then trust in his mercy trust in his grace because he does have grace and mercy for us a prodigal son was afraid to come home but he did Turn to Jesus right now and receive the love and forgiveness He wants to give you if you've done something wrong. And if you haven't done anything wrong and you're just worried about what the, how the world's going to progress, that's a sin. And here's why. Because God who loves you is the one who takes care of the world. You know who is going to be President of the United States in six months? Whoever God wants. That's His word. Absolutely, 100% guaranteed. Nobody wins an election unless God lets them win the election. Nobody takes power. No government falls. No government rises unless God says it's okay. He's that powerful of a God. And that's why we trust Him. So today, if you're worried about whatever, just give it to Jesus. And that's why we open up the altar as we sing this song. We pray and we open up the altar and, and just come and, and just give it to Jesus. If you're worried about your salvation, turn to Jesus. If you're worried about whether you still are saved, turn to Jesus. If you're worried about whether you've been forgiven, turn to Jesus. If you're worried about your relationship, whatever, turn to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for this moment. Lord, may this be a moment in which we turn to you, believing that you said, what you say is true. You said, do not worry about our life. Do not worry about our things. Do not worry about the future. Lord, and if we are, may we just come to you this morning. It's, a, it's, a, it's an indicator that something's wrong between us and you. So may we come to you this morning and say, help us with this. And know that, you're, that you want to help us. You see us struggling it's not hidden from you. You know it's there. You're waiting for us to come to you and ask for help. So may we come to you and ask for help. And may we receive it and start on a path to freedom and peace and joy. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we have a time of invitation. I just want to invite you to come. If you're carrying a burden for somebody else, come pray for them. What, like I hear me when I say this. Bring it to Jesus. Whatever you're carrying in your hand. Think of your worries as something you've got in your hand. And bring it and just give it to Him. And say, God, I'm giving it to you. And then get up from here and don't take it back with you. Just leave it there. And then go out and live the life that He called you to live. Do whatever He wants you to do in freedom and joy. As we sing.
heart is at ease this morning. I pray that you have released that to the Lord. You know, I mean, everybody around you knows, the people around you know, and this is something that is not a Sunday morning thing. This is an all-day, everyday thing. Whenever you feel that welling up inside of you, that stress come up or that anxiousness where your head hurts, it's like, what am I going to do about this? All those are indicators that you just need to go to the Lord and lay it down. Lay those burdens down. Because while you are carrying it, you can't be used by him. You can't, you can't minister to the people and tell how freeing Jesus is, and how amazing it is to walk in his power and grace and so forth when you're carrying those burdens around. How can you help other people to be free when you are not free? So, and, and always know this. We're always, that's why we come. We're here all week long. We don't go away. We're always here. And uh, just call us. If we're not here, call us on our phones. So we give you our cell phone numbers or emails or whatever say hey I got something I'm struggling with carrying with would you help me through this we would love to do that we'd love to do that we, when you are free we're all free so always reach out to us or reach out to one another and help each other carry each other's burdens don't forget our offering today we, we don't we save that for the end of the service but there's baskets back there to put money in and, and uh, we can also give online and so forth we're trying to think of new ways in our COVID world to deal with things, but uh, but still a, a, an act of worship before the Lord is when we give our tithes and offerings to Him. So remember that as we're leaving here today, and uh, and just God bless you guys so much, love you so much, and, and appreciate all that you do. Let's uh, say a word of prayer, and um, and then we'll let you go. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great you are. Thank you for the love that you show us each and every day. Lord, we offer up our tithes and offerings to you this morning and pray that you'll take them, use them for your glory, use them for your kingdom. Father, um, and make your will done. Father, I, I pray just one more time, Lord, I know that I, I have a tendency to get worried about things. I have a tendency to get weighed down by things. I know that's something that we do. And Lord, so I just pray, Father, that you would help all of us to... Uh, to lay those burdens down and, and leave this place free and relieved that you are taking care of it. May we have an eternal mindset that all things are going to be good because you say they will be. May we trust you. Lord, may we be a people of faith 
and not fear, for we pray it in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.